Hello and welcome to this edition of the IUMI podcast. I'm Mike Elson and today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Harry Conway. Dr. Conway is the permanent representative of Liberia's permanent mission to the IMO and, as many of you will know, he's also the chair of IMO's Marine Environment Protection Committee, the MEPC. Harry, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Mike, for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, look, your committee has, as ever, been extremely busy. And at the meeting held earlier in the month, that was the MEPC 80, uh, the committee adopted unanimously the 2023 IMO strategy on reduction of greenhouse gas emissions from ships. So, I mean, firstly, as chairman of MEPC, you must be delighted that such an important and potentially groundbreaking revision to IMO's GHG strategy was wholeheartedly embraced. I'm extremely delighted with the outcome of MEPC 80 on the adoption of the GHG strategy, especially the uh, unanimous decision of the committee. Um, it took a lot of hard work going to that meeting. We started with intersectional working group, GHG 15, the week before, and there were so many background negotiations, even at the meeting itself. So I'm extremely delighted, especially when you realize that uh, the committee has diverse members with different national interests and issues are very complex. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand that. And could you briefly just outline what this revision means for global shipping in terms of its impact on the industry, but also on the wider perception of shipping in the context of the overall climate debate? Firstly, in terms of the impact on the industry, uh, this requires transition to net zero by 2050. So that means uh, the shipping sector, the industry, will have to find means of having uh, zero carbon fuels or low carbon fuels if we have to decarbonize. That also requires new technologies, especially for the vessel type, the type of vessels that will be constructed that are using uh, very efficient fuels and very efficient technologies. It also requires uh, training seafarers and the use of the new technology that are to be deployed on these new vessels. It also requires the adoption of short, long, and medium-term technical and economic measures to ensure that international shipping decarbonize, especially by 2050. So in short, the impact is extremely huge on the sector, industry. In terms of perception, um, I think it has shown that uh, the IMO, as a specialized UN agency responsible for international shipping, has demonstrated its commitment to do its fair share to reduce CO2 emission globally. Now the perception will change. I think uh, from information gathered, IMO is the first UN agency to set such an ambitious target in the context of the Paris Agreement. Yeah, it certainly is certainly is an ambitious target. And I understand that you've agreed two checkpoints along the way, a 20% but striving for 30% reduction in emissions by 2030, and then a 70% but striving for 80% emissions reductions by 2040. And they're both from that 2008 baseline. But I guess the question I have for you, Harry, is how confident are you that these ambitions will be met? And what will IMO do to assist? And I know you've already mentioned that you're working on a set of mid and long-term measures, for example. 
Uh, in terms of covenant, I'm very covenant in the sense that um, these intermediate checkpoints will serve as an opportunity for member states to know what is possible and what is not possible. It gives them the opportunity to see what they need to do towards decarbonization by 2050. Can we go in certain direction or do we need to do some level of uh, revision? So um, that gives me the confidence because basically what this is, it is a test, test case to establish what paths are indeed pragmatic and possible and what paths are not possible. And based on that, member states will have the opportunity to review the measures adopted and see how they can uh, make it more out of stringent to ensure they achieve the ambitious target set. In terms of what the IMO itself can do um, to assist, um, it will be to make sure that, for example, there will be expert, before we had the um, MEPC 80, we had what we call an expert workshop where uh, the various uh, measures being proposed were discussed in depth by member states and experts who had the data and information were able to better explain to member states. We will continue along that 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 path. We will ensure that there are workshops to 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 bring members together, either intersectionally or at one meeting where we will ensure that we are all on the same page. And uh, we ensure that there's some sort of technical support also to member states, either to ensure that uh, they can implement the measure or to attend our IMO, IMO meetings. Okay, so, so, so an awful lot of work to do. And I guess, um, you know, with all of these uh, carbon reduction uh, initiatives uh, more generally, um, the more developed nations tend to be better equipped to comply with these. Um, but how do you think the less developed shipping nations will fare? Yes, uh, you are quite right. Um, the more developed nations are definitely better equipped and well placed to um, implement these measures. Um, but when it comes to the least developed countries and um, small island developing states um, that are most impacted by um, the climate change on the one hand, most likely the measures that are to be uh, developed on the other, um, they may not uh, be that equipped. However, uh, I think um, necessary support can be provided to them to ensure that uh, they are also equipped. Um, that is the reason behind the issue of uh, conducting what we call the comprehensive impact assessment of measure on SIPs. That will give us a better idea of uh, those that are disproportionately negatively impacted by the measures and uh, what we need to do to assist them to, to make sure they can also be part of the process. As we always say, we want to ensure there is a just and equitable transition on the one hand, and on the other, no country should be uh, left behind. That means um, ensuring that uh, member states, especially LDCs and SIS, are also on board and have all the support they can get. In this direction, uh, we establish uh, 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 what we call for establishment of a steering committee to conduct the impact assessment. And the Secretary General has just issued a circular letter calling on member states to nominate members to that committee. 
okay so so, so clearly a strategy there to uh, make sure that no country is left behind which is which is great to hear I mean, so clearly linked with the new strategy um, I understand your committee discussed a range of greenhouse gas reduction measures such as the carbon intensity indicator and guidelines on life cycle, life cycle GHG intensity of marine fuels. I mean, what do these changes involve and how are they going to impact on your overall strategy? Um, and for, um, for the uh, CRR, Carbon Intensity Indicator, um, as you may be aware, it is a, uh, a short-term measure. Uh, CRR and e, EXR, you know, those are the short-term measures that we adopted first. And the CRR became mandatory as of 1st November 2022, uh, by the CRI, um, we are talking about giving vessels, it's an operational measure to see uh, how efficient vessels are operating in terms of carbon use. And based on how efficient they are, they are either giving certain rating, it's either or A, B, C, D, and E, A being a, 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 a vessel that is virtually green, that is using less carbon, and E being uh, or in an inferior vessel. So based on that, um, if you attain certain create, especially a D and E, a vessel that means it is not uh, being very efficient in its use of carbon operationally, that vessel will be uh, required to conduct certain corrective actions over a certain period of time to ensure it falls within the A and B band of the uh, use of carbon. Uh, on the other hand, uh, uh, you talked about the issue of the um, LCA guidelines or the life cycle analysis. Um, with, with that, the committee adopted uh, a resolution where we adopted the LCA guidelines just at the MBPCA that just ended. And then uh, we also established a, a correspondence group that is to work intersectionally. And uh, some of the things they have to look at is to further develop the framework to conduct these guidelines. And that means uh, taking into consideration issues such as well to tank data collection and also uh, tank to work default emission factors for the fuel pathways. So these are things that are uh, 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 will definitely have some impact on the industry and, uh, and definitely will have some impact on the GHG strategy itself. Because the more efficient a vessel is in terms of the CRR, the more uh, reduction in CO2 emissions we'll have, and that will be a, a, a plus for the international shipping subsector. On the other hand, for the SEA guidelines, and if we understand uh, 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 what it is involved in this uh, 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 analysis with respect to the uh, SEA guidelines of force, it will help shipping to adopt further measures to ensure that uh, CO2 is not being emitted from the shipping subsector or displayed to the other sectors, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly a lot of work to be done there. I mean, and, and looking to the future, I mean, clearly there's still a lot of work to be done to achieve your revised strategy. So what can we expect from MEPC over the next uh, two or three years? Um, over the next two or three years, uh, we should expect um, a further exchange of measures to, to ensure that uh, we are on course in terms of meeting the goals set in the strategy. 
For example, we have already set up the terms of reference for the intersectional working group, the 16th session, to make sure they, they work intersectionally to come up with a report to METC 81 by next year. So um, that's one thing we will be doing. Also, the LCA guidelines, we will continue to, to develop them. We'll continue to um, ensure the measures are on course, but most importantly, we will ensure that the comprehensive impact assessment is undertaken by the steering committee. And once that steering committee undertakes impact assessment, it will give the committee the better idea on which measures, both technical, economic, midterm measures that should be taken forward and should be adopted within the next uh, two to three years. Once those measures are adopted, they now lay the basis for our progression towards our decarbonization by 2050. Yeah, so clearly you're going to be, you and your committee are going to be extremely busy. But we shouldn't forget that whilst greenhouse gas, gas reduction is probably top of your agenda, MEPC covers many other issues. And I just wonder whether perhaps you could give us a brief flavour of what else is on your current agenda. Yes, uh, you are quite correct. Um, the committee covers so many other issues. Um, top of the agenda, we have the issue of marine plastic litters. It's something that we, we cannot uh, forget. Um, we have to keep our eyes on it. You know, it's, it's also an environmental issue. We also have the issue of the impact of black carbon emissions on the Arctic. It's something we also still have to keep our eyes on. We have the issue of uh, development of interest guidance on the use of biofuels and biofuel blends. Also, there's the issue of, of course, uh, harmful aquatic organisms in ballast water. We cannot forget that. So there's a need to review the uh, balanced water management convention. These are just some of the issues on the committee's agenda, uh, even though uh, GHGs tend to be dominant now, but these issues are also very, very important. So a very full and uh, right, wide-ranging agenda for MEPC. Um, I mean, that sort of brought us to the end of this conversation. Um, but Dr. Conway, Harry, you've been extremely generous with your time today and given us a superb overview of your current agenda and the workings of the MEPC. Our Ayumi listeners and others will be extremely grateful, as am I. So thank you so much for giving us the benefit of your experience and wisdom. And we'll all follow, of course, the fortunes of MEPC very closely as you move forward with these crucially important initiatives. So, Harry, thank you so much indeed. Thank you, Mike, for having me. And uh, I'm almost at your disposal whenever to make sure that uh, we all are uh, involved in the effort to decarbonize international shipping. It's a collective effort. It is not only an effort of the member states. We are NGOs, IGOs, um, media, everybody needs to be involved in this fight. I believe if um, the uh, larger community is well informed of what is happening, um, they can all help to steer shipping in the right direction to decarbonize to help our planet. So thank you so much. And that's a very positive note to end on. Thank you, Harry, very much.